What is going on, crypto family? So today we got the co-founder of ARK coming on the channel. Basically, you guys have been asking for him, so we brought him on. He's gonna tell us all about the stuff that they're doing, but we learn a lot more, more than, well, more than we do. So not only did the guy used to play an organ in church, which is pretty freaking awesome, He's got some other hidden talents that are pretty awesome. Not to mention, you know, working on battleship radar, uh, leaving Lisk to create ARC, how their ICO was kind of a failure, but they were able to turn it around and make their company super cash flush. Also the interoperability that, uh, you know, ARC is trying to achieve some more of his hidden talents, why crypto is important to him, and a ton more. So, just a friendly reminder, Crypto Beetle shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of Robert Beatles and his guests. Robert Beatles is a co-founder of the Monarch Wallet, host of Trading View Sessions, Crypto Beatles on YouTube, and on several entities. Robert's opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. Robert Beatles is not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is super dangerous. You can lose all of your money, so always trade at your own risk. And one last thing before we get into this, please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the fam. All right, let's go check out the interview and I'll catch you on the other side. What is going on, Crypto Family? So today we got this co-founder of ARC with us, man. It was great to have you. Appreciate you coming on. The community's talked a lot about your project over the years. You guys have been in the space for a long time. I know that we have uh, NASCARs out there together. We've seen them side by side. So it's always great to hear right from the founders what you guys are doing and all that kind of cool stuff. So thanks for making time for us. Appreciate you, buddy. Yes, thanks a lot. I'm very happy to be there. Awesome, man. And so you're you're over there in France and Paris. So it's uh, what time is it there right now? Uh, right now it's uh, five, uh, 5 past 5, yes. Oh, cool, man. So you're just, just yeah. getting on into the evening. All right, cool. Yeah, <laughs> awesome, man. So um, what, so tell us about yourself, man. You know, how'd, um, you know, how'd you get into blockchain? You know, maybe some of your, some of your past, you know, what's, uh, how'd you get where you're at? Actually, my story with blockchain is kind of funny. I discovered Bitcoin in beginning of 2009. I rarely remember that time. So it's oh, very big. Oh, crap. You're French Satoshi. Oh, but uh, I tell you the story because it's kind of fun. Uh, I remember I, I was um, working um, for the European Commission at that time, and I was a researcher. I, I had a lot of work, you know, watching what's going on on the internet, the new technologies and everything. And I came across this uh, this Bitcoin uh, white paper and uh, first version of code. And I remember very well because uh, I failed to use it because uh, I downloaded the, the first version or, or one of the first version. And it was only compiled for Windows, you know, and I only Linux box, so I tried to change the stuff and, and compile it to Linux, and I, I never managed to get through. And I completely forgot. I mean, I gave I gave up, and I completely forgot it uh, about it, and never uh, and came back only in 2015 later on. Unfortunately, I don't have the story of you know having this Bitcoin on a hard drive that I throw on uh, on the bin and uh, trying to look uh, at the old hard drive with lots of packed with Bitcoin. I don't have this, but uh, yeah, the story was quite early and I failed. I never get through, which means that, you know, uh, when you start something, you need to go really full on it if you want to to, to, to make it uh, somehow. Otherwise, you can't just uh, pop and here and there. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So I, I gave up this in 2009. 
And I how'd was. You, how'd you stumble across the code, though? I mean, so you just you just found the white paper, or you found? You yeah, found actually, uh, lots of my work was uh, about um, basically doing some kind of um, technological uh, research. You know, my background was more uh, computing, uh, satellite uh, image analysis, peer-to-peer networks, and everything. Uh, because we we had, uh, I was working for European Commission for the maritime surveillance. So you know, gathering lots of data from different boats, uh, peer-to-peer connections. And and, uh, and then, you know, in this kind of things, in, in the mailing list, uh, the Bitcoin project popped up uh, quite uh, quite quickly after it was published. So, uh, you know, and this is the way I, I work. It's basically, I don't understand some stuff until I, <laughs> I try to compile stuff, try to move to, to change a bit of the code and trying to, 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 to recompile and see how, what, what is changing. This is just the way I, uh, my brain works. So, you know, I, I learned by doing. So it was one of the stuff, but... Uh, Okay, I quickly shift interest for, for something else and came back in 2015. Yeah, the, the shiny object syndrome, that's what we call in the U.S. You know, you start working on something and you see something else that's a little bit prettier, a little bit shinier, and you, you get distracted, you go off in that direction, you feel what you were working on. So, no worries, that, that's pretty incredible that you, you came across the code in 2009. So, 2015, you got back into it. And yes. so, you know, you've got, obviously, you have some programming experience, right? So, what, uh, what what's some of the other yeah, places exactly. you so, worked at before uh, ARC? Yeah, so basically, I was working as a researcher uh, at the European Commission, and I was working on developing satellite image analysis uh, software for ESA, for uh, different agencies, to detect boats on uh, radar images, so satellite images, so it's a world or stuff on, on satellite surveillance, uh, maritime surveillance, sorry. Uh, I worked until on this uh, project until 2010. And then I left the uh, European Commission and I went on my own as a consultant. So I've been to, to work on similar on similar projects for the Black Sea Commission, for the Permanent Secretariat, Secretariat of the Black Sea Commission, located in uh, Istanbul. So uh, basically monitoring the Black Sea with satellite images, with uh, ground truth data, GPS position of the boats uh, and everything. Modeling, um, uh, working on the software to to make a model of uh, oil slick as well. So uh, yeah, this kind of things. This project stopped because you know there is lots, there was lots of politics uh, behind because the Black Sea Commission, you know, there are six, com- six countries and there is uh, Turkey, Bulgaria, Romania, Ukraine, Russia, and Georgia. And in that time, Georgia and, and Russia was uh, in war. So I can tell you the meetings were quite, <laughs> were quite uh, painful. Uh, and thus the project, mostly financed by Turkey, was, uh, was cut down. Uh, so by the end of 2011, I stopped working on this. Then after I started another company in Switzerland, working to with um, here in Paris actually, but uh, the company was located in Switzerland, uh, working on um, basically uh, managing and gathering data for uh, phase one uh, cancer research. So uh, you know when you do cancer research, uh, after you have managed to find a new solution to cure cancer, you are doing you are performing uh, clinical trials. In phase one, phase two, phase three, which basically first time you, you try your solution to human being. And of course, all the data gathered around, uh, you know, uh, the patients, uh, the reactions and everything are, are really uh, very important. So you need to gather it, to value it and everything. And it was quite new in that time to find out uh, a solution to gather this. Uh, so I work uh, on developing that, which worked quite well. And here is the funny or not funny things is that... Uh, 
after a while, I discovered my associate uh, just uh, created another company and, and invoiced everything to another company. So I realized a bit late that I lost everything uh, because of that. Uh, so yeah, I just thought <laughs> just of this, so it's this kind of experience. So uh, it was in 2013, uh, 2014. By that time, I was already um, working on a, on a project on my own on uh, some kind of currency, uh, but it was not cryptocurrency, some kind of currency, digital currency, and I was trying to, to understand how to do that. We don't uh, come up with a project properly developed. It was called SKP, like escape currency. And um, I decided anyway to, I mean, I met a new partner, a new associate, and, and I launched a new project called Donatio. And this project was basically giving to the Catholic Church because I'm, you know, I'm Christian and I'm just looking how it works. And, you know, there is lots of cash going uh, in the church, you know, uh, during the mass and everything. And it's very difficult to manage and things we have set up a project called Donatio where basically you can digitalize the cash going through uh, the mass. So it's still an ongoing project, but obviously this project doesn't uh, give you lots of money because as soon as you get rich, you know, it's not very good, you know, very nice for charity to get rich by, you know, handling uh, money of charity. So as soon as uh, it's getting interesting, we are lowering the, the fees the fees on the project so in the end we, we never get rich for that but yeah it's still ongoing in France and developing slowly so yeah we are still uh, still on it so it was my first basically uh, trial on, on managing uh, digital currency and then after I was uh, looking more and of course uh, cryptocurrency I came back because I, I had time for that so I started with Ethereum in 2015 and I was trying to you know develop smart contract and everything so that's uh, that's where I managed to, to get into cryptocurrency back in 2015 yes gotcha and then with ARC ARC is kind of like a, a fork of LISC right so yeah. kind of like in a nutshell what is it that uh, ARC aims to do what kind of problems does it intend to solve yeah, so uh, just to, to, to bridge between uh, 2015 and 2016 when uh, ARC uh, started. So, um, so Ethereum, and then uh, I just realized that Ethereum, I didn't believe that, you know, it was just too complex for what it should be uh, for Ethereum. Just my mind, you know, of uh, working on it. I didn't see any business. Maybe I'm wrong, eh? but at that time, it was like, it's too complex for what it should do. Uh, there should be something more simple. Uh, and at that time, it was beginning of 2016, I saw in a Reddit uh, of Ethereum some ads for the LISC uh, ICO. So I just like, oh yeah, interesting. It was the first day of ICO, I think. Uh, I just popped in the project and Learning by doing, I was developing the first uh, DAP in NISC uh, on mobile and published it. And, you know, the founder, Max and Oliver, were quite happy about the results. So they just hired me uh, right during the ICO. And I was the first employee for, uh, for LISC uh, at that time. It was like uh, March, April 2016. Uh, then the ICO was quite successful. Uh, they raised like 7 million euros in BTC. And uh, they launched uh, the Genesis block in, uh, in May, if I remember well, in May 2016. So it was very interesting because I developed the backend. Uh, I tried to optimize uh, many aspects of the code, many parts of the code, and, and you know, understanding, understanding uh, how it works. And then after the launch, 
I was still trying to figure out, and I was starting to to, to understand many flows in, in the code. Uh, cryptography was not; uh, it was a black box, and you know you don't understand what happens in this black box of cryptography. So usually in cryptography, when you deal with a black box, it's not a good idea in terms of security. Uh, and also, I didn't believe the way DApps in Lisk were something sensible. Uh, so I just told uh, Matt, uh, Oliver, and Max, the, we should ditch this part and, and, and rebuild from scratch. And actually, we didn't agree on that. It was, yeah, I just understood it was not possible to find out uh, a solution with them. So I just, uh, they just let me uh, go uh, in uh, August. And in the between, I should uh, mention that Lisk. So I arrived with uh, Lisk uh, on the story. But uh, the Lisk story is a bit broader because Lisk is, was from Crypti. So Crypti is a cryptocurrency that now is dead and it was handled by the Crypti Foundation. And in that time, there were a few people, a few key people uh, in Arc now. Uh, Matthew, Mike, they were Max and Oliver from Lisk. And they were uh, Boris that are not here anymore, uh, Stas and, and few other I don't know uh, because I was not in part. And actually what happened is that when... Uh, uh, when they ran out of money with um, Crypto Foundation, they decided to relaunch an ICO. And in the end, they disagree internally, and and uh, Max and Oliver from the Crypto Foundation decide to, to go on their own, and they run the ICO against the other. So I just uh, I was just uh, arriving in the middle of a war between uh, Crypti and and, and Lisk, and. Uh, so yeah, it just happened like that. And then after when I left Lisk, I mean, all these guys like Matthew. Uh, I don't remember who else, but um, in a crypti, they, they were just like uh, frustrated because they, they had a vision in crypti that was not being uh, taken back by Lisk. Uh, and somehow, when uh, we started to talk about uh, the fact I'm, I'm going away from this and developing with ideas, we just uh, discovered that we were on the same line. So we were like a few people uh, ready to, to go. And that's where ARC started, basically, in uh, August, uh, September, September 2000. Uh, Six, uh, 16, we started to work together to open a Slack uh, and everything. We were quite a, quite a few people from the Lisk community. And uh, I reworked uh, completely the code base of Lisk. Not completely because we have a new version again, but I, re I mean, the whole cri uh, cryptography part, cryptography part, I've just completely uh, ditched and I reuse now the Bitcoin one. Uh, you know, I rework a part of this. The DPoS consensus has been reworked as well. And we launched the ICO in 2016, in uh, November 2016. And that's the beginning of the story, basically. Gotcha, man. So November 2016, you launched the ICO. How does it go? Like, tell us, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, it was tough even back then. It was easier in 17, got really difficult in 18, almost impossible in 19. <laughs> so what was the environment, you know, what was some of the stuff that you, you learned, you know, launching your ICO, some of the highs and lows and, and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was an amazing period. Like, <laughs> I can tell you it was complete because the thing is that we didn't, didn't know each other. Mike and Matthew met each other, but uh, all the, the 20 or 30 people working on the ICO we just met on the internet, so we just uh, managed to, gather, uh, to, to, to get together and we started to, to, to work on this ICO under the ground, going on a Bitcoin talk to publish this and trying to, 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 to gather a maximum of people. Uh, it was the beginning of ICO, so uh, I remember there was uh, the biggest ICOs were, were Lisk, there were Waves, uh, there were uh, Komodo, I think, or uh, 
economy, you know, all these, all these guys as well. And actually, it turned out we failed. We failed our ICO. It's, uh, it's kind of funny because uh, I think we didn't do, we, had, we were really technologists and, and, and marketing marketing was not our, our, our stuff. Like we, we want, we didn't want to sell the moon, you know, we want to say to be, uh, uh, to be trustable, to, to be believed that we can, uh, you know, develop uh, proper technology and we are a team and everything. So in the end, we raised only uh, like $1 million. We didn't get the, 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 the minimum level. So we're, we renegotiated the, the terms and one third of people uh, took back their money because it was the beginning of the rise of, of uh, Bitcoin. So they really wanted their, their Bitcoin back. And two thirds kept the investment with us. And so it was okay. So I was really well uh, advanced in the developing uh, of, of the technology and we managed to launch on 21st March 2017. So the Genesis block from ARC is to, uh, 21st March of to, uh, 2017. And from then we were listed the, the same day on Gitrex. I remember that. So we were really, uh, you know, uh, on one hand, uh, I was, you know, trying to, 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 to develop the stuff and connecting with Bitrex on on, on their Slack, uh, you know, to support them to be able to 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 to, fer- to try the first transaction. I remember the first transaction to Bitrex was uh, was P. You know, I sent P Arc uh, to Bitrex on the on the on the Bitrex uh, hot wallet. Uh, P is like you know three dot fourteen fifteen uh, whatever arcs. Uh, just you know, just to make a point. Everything. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> and then, since then, the price went up. Actually, the fact that we failed the ICO, we were discovered quite uh, after. So the price was very low at the beginning. It was less than one cent uh, an arc. Uh, uh, it was so less than one cent during the ICO. And as far as I remember, the first price on Vitrex was equivalent to seven cents or something wow. like that. We were already multiplied by seven for just for the, the day one. And now even after the beer market, we are like 40 cents. Uh, 50 cents, 45 cents or whatever. And so, so even the company would uh, return on investment anyway. Yeah, and so the company wasn't able to raise it like through the ICO, but by holding a bunch of tokens, you guys were able to to raise it off the value of the tokens and be able yeah. to kind of liquidate as you need to kind of further your growth and, and expansion. Yeah, so the thing is that we were quite lucky as well because of course there was a, the bull market in 2017. So we raised basically... Uh, 4 million LISC and uh, 175 Bitcoins. And we managed to change everything. So now the, the accounting is public. So I think we are like, uh, we have like 3,500 Bitcoins mm-hmm. in the company. So which is um, really well enough for the next couple of years uh, for developments. So we are quite happy and lucky uh, for this bull market uh, with the team. Yes. Awesome. So you're so you're well funded. You got money for tomorrow and for the foreseeable future. But what problem you know is is Arc trying to solve? What uh, like in a nutshell? What is it that you guys are trying to do in the space? Oh yeah. So uh, I tried to summary as uh, this. Uh, I mean the point of Arc. You know you have Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is a uh, digital cash. Then after say with uh, Ethereum and a few uh, let's say protocol uh, cryptocurrencies and then after you have use case uh, use case uh, currencies so we are in the in the field of uh, protocol currencies so basically we have this technology and you can run your use case on top of arc 
we don't we are not uh, assessing a special use case like I don't know uh, you know selling um, shares of a company on, on the cryptocurrency or, or whatever we don't do a use case we provide the platform to develop your own use case so in ethereum it's smart contract you know uh, ethereum is a big a big uh, cryptocurrencies big blockchain and for each use case you plug a smart contract and all smart contracts will cohabitate together and eventually Ethereum will scale uh, with the sharding, with proof of stake, and all, and you will be able to have uh, 10,000 transactions per second on top of Ethereum, which is not the case yet, but you know, they are working on it. On ARC, we take the, 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 the prime differently. We just say, okay, we want to bring all the technology to you for, on, on production, production ready. And of course, we have to ditch all the research part. So what we say is one blockchain per use case. So you want a special use case, a crypto kitty, for instance, run your own blockchain. If you want a DAO, run your own blockchain using Arc. So basically, we have the all configurable stack, so which means like the peer-to-peer -peer network, the cryptography, the consensus, DPoS consensus, APIs, languages binding. So you have uh, we have like 12 different languages where you can connect to the blockchain, uh, like clients, hardware wallets, all this kind of technology at your fingertips to be able to, to, to build your own, own use case. So that's basically the thing. And then after, for each brands, you know, we try to, to bridge them. That's why, what we call smart bridges. It's basically being able to send a transaction from one blockchain to the other. So let's say you want to call a smart contract on Ethereum from Arc, which is already uh, possible with uh, what we call ACES protocol. Uh, basically, you construct a transaction on Arc, and on the payload of the transaction, you put a special data according to the service uh, providing these services, this service, and you send this transaction, and this service will, will listen to the Arc blockchain, read this, uh, read this transaction, uh, read the metadata or the payload you have put, and construct uh, and build a Ethereum transaction to uh, call a smart contract on Ethereum. That's a way we bridge basically uh, between the blockchain together. Think it like an exchange, but uh, it's a smart exchange because you have uh, an exchange, you exchange tokens, but uh, in uh, AC or smart bridge, you exchange token and metadata to be able to communicate between uh, different blockchains. Man, there's a lot of information there. I was uh, yeah, yeah, I trying to keep up. No, it's that, that's that sounds pretty incredible. So it sounds like to fix the scaling issue, you basically for every project, um, they run their own blockchains, delegated proof of stake to basically you know secure it. Then it sounds like you've you've worked in interoperability to where your chain can talk to other chains, run different smart contracts across your chain, their chain. You could probably mm -hmm. even send cryptocurrency from like Ethereum to Arc or Arc to Ethereum. So basically, everything can just you know talk to itself. Yeah, yeah the thing is that we are doing all the trade-offs. So, um, for instance, you have probably heard about Polkadot or Cosmos or or, or uh, even the sharding on Ethereum, which basically try to address the same uh, the same issues, but they try to address in a decentralized way. So they are running some kind of meta coin or beacon uh, beacon chain for Ethereum to be able to settle the transactions between one chain to the other. We do the trade-offs, so basically it's a tr right now it's a centralized service. So basically it's a server with uh, a node, uh, Ethereum node for instance, an Arc node, listening to both uh, uh, networks, publishing through the server uh, a contract, say, okay, if you send uh, this uh, Arc transaction with this kind of metadata with so much uh, token in it, I just construct 
we, I agree to construct a special transaction on Ethereum with so much token and calling this smart contract with this kind of data. It's basically uh, the way we see it. And then after, eventually, of course, when there are projects managing to, to decentralize this kind of settlement between uh, blockchain, we will use it as well. We will provide it on, on our, uh, on our uh, technology stack. But we are really focusing to make all the trade-offs so it's ready right now to be, uh, to be used for your, for your use case or whatever production uh, environment for your company. It's awesome. And I heard somebody actually just used it for their use case. Didn't they just raise like 550,000 euros on Arc? Yes. Yeah, actually, uh, for instance, there is a company in France called Unique. Uh, they are doing basically uh, something similar to ENS, uh, Ethereum naming, system, uh, naming space, naming system. They call that uh, Unified Naming System. And it's called Unique Name. And they are building basically this kind of naming system on top of Arc using what we call the, uh, as a technology NFT, so non-fungible token. It's a way basically to, uh, to create uh, collectibles or something like that where you basically create a transaction and you receive in return the property of, of a digital asset. And then you guys are also launching a new website here pretty soon too that's going to be showing all the stuff you guys are up to yes. and all the stuff you're doing. Yeah, exactly. So um, uh, this new website is, um, is uh, rather soon uh, as since tomorrow or uh, yes, uh, I don't remember exactly the date. Anyway, so yeah, yeah, just uh, the thing is that this new website, you know, it's, uh, it's coming from all the feedback we got from the community, from companies, from everything about uh, the usability. And we wanted to match the new uh, deployer. So we have launched, uh, you know, this uh, configurable stack in consensus uh, in May. And to reflect, you know, this kind of uh, strategy, we have a complete new website to make it, uh, to make very clear, you know, for the developers, for the business people, for the community, for, uh, for any, any actors in the, in the community to be able to really pinpoint and spot the right tools for you and the right uh, information. It's awesome, man. So tell us more about yourself. You know, what's, um, who's maybe somebody that's been important in your life that kind of shaped you to be the guy that you are? Some, um, yeah, maybe a mentor or somebody you looked up to. Oh, yeah. Uh, you mean in the cryptocurrency uh, area? Just in life, you know? Who, you know who's somebody uh, I, really that had big like to, I really would like to, of course, to, to, to speak to Satoshi Nakamoto. <laughs> <can't even> <laughs> there you go. Little yeah, Satoshi. Yeah, that's a... Uh, that's a trick. No, there are quite a bunch of people, uh, of course, uh, Bitcoin people, you know, they, they are quite uh, our mentor in, the, in many aspects. I'm pretty keen on, on, crypto, on cryptography. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, being able to, to discuss uh, the future of cryptography part of uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchain, like uh, Peter Wool, uh, Maxwell, uh, Yannick Serin, and... Uh, and Polstra, Andrew Polstra, you know, they have, they have written this paper on, uh, on Musig, you know, Schnorr, Schnorr multi-signature. And it's really nice because, you know, it's bringing forward the cryptographic uh, science, you know, it's moving forward quite a lot. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's really the, one of the next steps, uh, I mean, in, in terms of science, it's a cryptography. And I really like as well... Uh, uh, CTO, uh, CTO of Ledger actually uh, is in Paris as well, and actually I'm meeting him uh, for a party uh, just after after this. And I really love this guy because he's really uh, for me is a guy uh, demonstrating adversary thinking. You know, he's always like say, okay, we build a tool, and how 
how to break our own stuff, you know. They are trying to make stuff, you know, they are not uh, to... And I think in this industry, this is definitely needed, you know. Lots of people say, yeah, yeah, they try to sell the moon and say, oh, yeah, yeah, it will work and everything. No, actually, things are a lot more difficult than you think. And if you are not the first to say, yeah, uh, we need to, to fight, you know, to make it working, you won't come easily. I think we, we are going nowhere, you know. The future is for those guys that are really fighting to, to bring the stuff at the next level. Yeah, yeah, definitely need to work together because blockchain is definitely hard. <laughs> People think yeah, it's yeah, easy. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of science and a lot of math. It's definitely difficult. What's, what's maybe something, you know, people don't know about you? Maybe you got some hidden talents, some skills, hobbies, you know, something your oh, yeah. co-workers don't know about you? Yeah, I'm really keen on music, actually, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I play, so basically, uh, keyboards. So, uh, and actually, uh, I used to be a professional church organ player. Yeah, yeah. I used to pay. I used to be paid uh, in churches to to play organs there, and a very good science. And and actually, it's, it's very funny because uh, my my specialty is improvisation. Actually, it's very interesting because you need to under some concepts, you know, and try to to make it your own, and as well bridge with your creativity, you know. So you have rules, creativity. And you need to, to find a perfect match to have something. To have something. And actually, uh, the way I see, uh, you know, my work in, in, in my previous work as a researcher and even now uh, for cryptocurrency is always to, to, to try to find the bridge between uh, your, your rule process, your mental process and your creativity. And this is the really way I love to work is just uh, to bring uh, creativity with, uh, with science and, and try to, to find the best match. So... Awesome. Have you ever gone on stage and done like improv, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think there are quite a few videos uh, flying on, on YouTube. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, now we're going to have to look, right? What was, I, can, I can make a one for you. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd love to see, uh, see some improv. Yeah, pretend you're Satoshi yeah. Nakamoto, you know, fighting Vitalik Buterin or something. <laughs> How would that argument go? Yeah, try to make a figure over Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, team, you know, because you know the letters, you can transform it in some notes like Fuga over B A C H. You know, B A C H is uh, uh, you know the note in uh, in music. You know, B A C H, and uh, and you can you know make a melody. So I try to find the way for. I'm more familiar with B C H. I will I will find something out. Yeah, B B A C H like back. So I guess Satoshi Nakamoto will be a bigger melody, but I will try to find something. Yeah. <laughs> love it and then so um if you could travel back in time to yeah. any time any time period what time and but you couldn't leave you had to stay there so you could go back you know one day you could go back a thousand years one year hundred years whatever you want but you had to stay there what time period would you go to and why <laughs> that's a good question like about uh, improv. here we go <laughs> let's, uh, let's get to the actually i quite love the 13th century in europe uh, for many reasons, because I think there was some kind of, uh, at that time, the, uh, the, the, the people in Europe, because, uh, I mean, the, was there, were really keen on philosophy, on starting to think about, uh, you know, uh, what's going on with science, what's going on with art, what's going on with uh, all this stuff, and everything was mixed together. And what I really love in that time is that uh, doing maths was considered as an art and not as a science. And I truly believe this is uh, our uh, math 
Uh, mathematics is an art and, and it's not only a science. Uh, because those guys, you know, even in cryptography, they are artists, basically, you know, bring creativity to find solutions to problems. Uh, and and in, inside the world with objects that are really nice interacting together, it's just an art. You have to be an artist to be a good mathematician. I think. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so yeah. you go back and basically become king <laughs> of, yeah, of math. I'm working this out, actually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. And then so I guess, you know, the last thing would be, you know, if you could give like a 30-second pitch as to why crypto is important, you know, to the world, how would it go, right? So do some little improv here for us. Where if you're going to try and talk people into getting into crypto or staying into crypto or why it's important to you, you know, what would you say? Okay, so crypto is the first time in humanity that you will be able to interact with something which is not a company, which is not a, a person, which is not a state. It's something else. It's a new kind of things with no responsibility. And this is a breakthrough uh, change, you know, in your, the way you think your interaction with people. You are interacting with people through something which is not a state, which is not a company, which is not a person. I mean, this is really uh, something that will be variable in the next coming uh, years and, and centuries, I think. Love it, man. Well, it's been great meeting you, you know, hearing your story, hearing all about ARC. So we'll make sure to get the video out for you soon. We'll get the links up so people can go check you out. But um, yeah, man, have a great day. Um, great yeah. night. And Roger, I said hi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting discussion, and uh, thanks to Beatles for all this. And yeah, I, I try to find out. Uh, yeah, the time to to write the music, and I'll send the to me to you. I love it. It's awesome, man. Well, God yeah. bless, man. I'll talk yeah. to you soon. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're going to be waiting on that improv tape. We definitely want to see what he comes up with for Satoshi versus Vitalik Buterin. I think that's going to be kind of cool. I had a great time here hearing about all the cool stuff that they're doing there at ARC, all the stuff that's to come. Just a friendly reminder, Crypto Beetle shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of Robert Beatles and his guests. Robert Beatles is the co-founder of the Monarch Wallet host of Trading View Sessions, Crypto Beatles on YouTube, and on several entities. Robert's opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. Robert Beatles is not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is super dangerous. You can lose all of your money, so always trade at your own risk please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the fam. God bless you. Love you. Catch you on the next one.